Will you turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27? We want to look at the title, Are You Washed in the Blood? Subtitled, as I've called it, The Self-Righteous Sinner and the Faithful Follower. The Self-Righteous Sinner and the Faithful Follower. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, beginning to read at verse 24, please. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Keep your Bibles open, for we will be referring to this portion of Scripture. But let's just bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, and we praise you, we worship you and exalt you, because your Son, the Lord Jesus, whom you sent into this world, has paid our debt, that he died on Calvary's cross, he shed his own most precious blood, that we would be redeemed, forgiven, for those who would call upon the name of the Lord, they would be saved. We pray this evening, Father, if there be one or two or others that are here that know not thy Son as Lord and Savior, we pray tonight they will come to saving knowledge of him, putting their full and complete trust in his finished work on the cross to be more than enough to pay their debt of sin. Lord, we ask you that your Spirit would now move and have free course in our midst when you bind every distracting spirit and every opposing thought that would come into the hearts and into the minds of the people in the house of God this evening. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that your name would be elevated, lifted up, magnified, exalted, and glorified, and that none would be seen, no preacher, no person, only Christ alone. Father, we ask you to make him evermore exceedingly precious to us in all of our walk and In our walk with you, Lord Jesus, day and daily, may we come to know you more and more each day. So we pray that you'd bless everyone, man and woman, boy, girl, young and old. We pray that you'd bless those who are in the creches now and the the teachers and the leaders there and all of the children also. So, Father, shut us in with thine own good self and let your word have free course. Take your word, Lord, by your spirit. And, Lord, would you quicken our hearts to be able to receive the Word of God, the engrafted Word, which is able to save the soul. We ask it in Jesus' name. We ask it for His glory alone. Amen. Amen. Last week we looked at, Are you washed in the blood? Thinking of how, in verse 24, Pontius Pilate has brought Christ and Barabbas out uh, during this time in front of a, a Jewish crowd in Jerusalem at the time of Passover. And we see in it that Pilate took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Jesus' blood is spoken of twice in our reading. First of all, I am innocent of the blood of this just person by Pontius Pilate in verse 24. Then again, it is in verse 25, then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and on our children. Notice his blood is mentioned twice. 
the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Pilate washes his hands of Christ, calling him a just person. Pilate's wife has come to him earlier in the day and says, have I nothing to do with this, that just man? For I've suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. He's warned that he's just. We looked at the term just, and the term just means Jesus was upright. It means he was innocent. He was lawful, that is, keeping God's law to a T. And he was righteous. He was faultless. He was virtuous. He was guiltless. He was authentic. He was an authentic holy person, an authentic holy man. And Pilate is warned, have nothing to do with him from his wife. But the crowd that brings him, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Jewish multitude that come, they demand that he be crucified. So Pilate has a a, a great decision to make. He's a choice in his hands. Does he release Jesus? He he, uh, talks to Christ and he interrogates him three times, coming in and out before the crowd. And as he does, he on three occasions says, I find no fault in this man or I find no fault in him at all. For Christ was the sinless, the spotless, the impeccable Son of God, the Lamb who would die at this Passover to end all Passovers, all sacrifices of lambs. No more sacrifice must be trusting in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Christ came to bleed and die. John the Baptist, he declared of him, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Here is God's lamb now standing before a crowd. Do you want him? They say no, they reject him. Pilate has a decision to make. Will I release him because he is just? Or will I follow the crowd? Instead, he tries to wash his hands off the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what we also pointed out last week in Acts chapter 3, verse 14. On the day of Pentecost, at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Peter preaches and 3,000 are converted to Christ in a single day. What a great catch for the Lord it was. And listen to what Peter says to the Jews around him at that time. He says, But ye denied the Holy One and the just. Notice here's the word again. We looked through it all last week. Ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. I need you to catch these words where he looked at them last week and we're going to bring them also to this week's message. Notice the two words, denied and desired. Denied and desired. The term denied or the word denied is the word arneome and it means you have disowned the Lord Jesus. You have renounced him as your king. You have renounced him to rule over you. You have renounced him as Messiah. You have renounced him altogether. It means you have refused him alone who is the Lamb of God, yet you come with your little lambs, hoping God will hear and atone for your sin. When he sends his own lamb and your religion is not good enough, you have refused the Lamb of God, the only means and method of payment for your sin, and that means you have rejected him completely. You have disowned, renounced, refused, and you have rejected the Son of God the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the only means and method and payment for your sin. Remember Christ said that those who deny the same word, him on earth, he will deny before his Father in heaven. 
And we also looked at, he will also deny them before the angels of God. And it's the same word, then I will renounce you. I will refuse you. I will reject you. I will disown you before my Father in heaven and before the angels of God. But notice also what is said. You denied the Holy One and the just, and you desired a murderer. The word desired is the word iteo, and iteo means to ask, to beg, to crave, to call for. So the strength of this in Jerusalem is there's going to be a riot with thousands upon thousands in the city. The city is full to overflowing, packed solid, coming to worship with their lambs, coming to make atonement at the day of Passover. And here there's going to be a mighty uproar. The place will be devastated. And Pilate starts to get nervous. Is it worth it for Jesus? Friend, you must ask yourself that when you are asked by the Lord to do that. Brother, sister, to do whatever he's laying on your heart, to hand over to him, to lay down the weights and the sins that doth so easily beset us, and to say, give me this, for I want to use you. Is he worth it? Is he worth the trouble of it? Is he worth what others may say of it? Is he worth you going to heaven? Or is he worth your family or your friends making fun of you, maybe? Is Christ worth it? Because if he's not worth it, then he will say at that day, I don't know you. Those who rejected him that day found to their own, their, their own damnation and fate, they pronounced a curse upon themselves. We'll look at it in a minute. But their heart was this. They begged, they called for, they craved for him to die. It wasn't a matter of one voice, crucify him. We will not have this man to reign over us. The crowd was in an uproar. Crucify him, crucify him. A crescendo of power of the human voice ascended around Pontius Pilate calling for the crucifixion of Christ. We looked at the word here, I tell you, for desired also last week. And it's, we give you some examples to try and strengthen the word for you. We looked at Joseph of Arimathea went to beg the body of Jesus when it was taken down from the cross. He went to Pilate and he begged. That means he craved the body of Jesus. He called for it. He asked for it. He was begging Pilate. It wasn't a matter of, please give me the body. Please, Pilate, give me his body. Please, release it into my hands. Please, I beg of you. It was like this. There's also another term. We can't go through them all. You can get downloaded or get a CD if you wish to uh, know more of it. When the lame man was sitting at the beautiful gate in Acts chapter 3 and Peter and John went to pray, the man had never walked. That wasn't a penny for the pauper, penny for the pauper. He was begging. He was craving. He wouldn't feed. He wouldn't eat if he didn't have any money. There was no social services. And he's saying, please, sirs, please, can you help me? Please give me money. And Peter said, silver and gold of I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And we know the story. He pulled him up and his ankles received strength and he walked into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Here is the same word. This man at the beautiful gate asking alms means he craved, desired, he begged. Now this crowd is the same word. They desired, Peter says, I heard your cries. I heard you say, we will not have this man to rule over us. 
We will not have him as our king. He is not our Messiah. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Thousands of voices in crescendo crying, raising up a tumult, looking for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it any wonder in Acts 13 that Paul says, For they that dwell at Jerusalem and the rulers, because they knew him not. Notice, they didn't even know he was the Lamb of God. They couldn't receive him as the Lamb of God. They knew him not, nor yet, notice, for the voices of the prophets which are, read, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. You know what he says? You fulfilled scriptures and you didn't even know it. When you're shouting crucify, he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world and you didn't even know it. Your own wicked heart was led astray, he says. But what the devil meant for evil, God always turns into the good. To save your soul and to save mine, to wash me, and cleanse me from all of my sin and all of yours. And he says, you didn't even know him. Your prophets are read every day, every Sabbath day. Your prophets are, are talked about in the synagogues. And what they prophesy, and I, I quoted Isaiah for one last week, Isaiah 53, verse 28 of Acts 13. And though they be found no cause of death in him, he was just person. Though there be found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate, that he should be slain. Here's the word again. Pilate, put him to death. Crucify him. Their hearts were against the just person. So we have Jesus, the just person. That is who he is. That's his nature. He just doesn't do it. You and I do good things sometimes because we want to be good. He is good. He is holy. He is true. He is just. He is innocent. He is holy, harmless, undefined, and separate from sinners. And praise the Lord, he's now made higher than the heavens. That's his character because he's God in flesh, incarnate. That's his character because he is the Son of God. Notice this. That is who he is, his nature, his very essence, even his very person. He's a dual nature, God and man. And that dual nature, the God, uh, the man always yielded to the nature of God. And here we find that he is a just person. He is the impeccable, sinless, spotless son of God. Barabbas, we're told, was a notable person. A notable person, that's what he was in his character. That's what he was uh, as to his nature. It made him notable. The idea of the word notable is the word epissimos, and it means he was stamped out, he was marked out, he was infamous, he was notorious, he was one of those prisoners who was put in the high security wing. And everyone watched him, and everyone kept their eye on him, and yet when he was brought out by Pilate to release one of them on that day, we're told of Barabbas that he was a thief, a robber, an insurrectionist, he was a murderer, he was a liar. And they cried, Barabbas, release Barabbas on us. Not this man, but Barabbas. Oh, how many people walk around every day and there's a Barabbas called the devil and they refuse the Christ of God for Barabbas the devil. They desire Barabbas over Christ to walk in Barabbas' ways, to walk in his world, to act in his ways, to be led by him rather than the Spirit of God. How many men and women want to be under a notable prisoner to become a prisoner 
of his vices. Who wants to be under a robber, a thief, an insurrectionist and a murderer? Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, The thief or the devil cometh not before to steal, to kill and to destroy. Here he is. He's a, Brabus is a picture of him. He says, a thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they may have life. They may have it more abundantly. Oh, and that life is offered to all of us. That life is offered there to men and women all over our nation. This life was offered to us throughout time, right from the cross. That life is offered us right around the globe. And many millions of men and women refuse the Lord Jesus Christ. They renounce the Lord Jesus Christ. They disown the Lord Jesus Christ. They want nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. And these men and women will think they'll go to heaven and one day they'll stand before him and And he will say, who are you? I deny you, renounce you, refuse you. I disown you before his father and all the angels. In Matthew 27 and verse 24, Pilate had a choice. He had a decision to make. He took water, washed his hands before the multitude saying, notice the terms here, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. You do it. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with it. Notice, first of all, Pilate was a self-righteous Roman. In other words, he was a self-righteous sinner. The Pharisees were self-righteous. The scribes were self-righteous. The the, the Jewish leadership was self-righteous. The people became self-righteous. Here, now the Roman leadership is self-righteous. He's a sinner. He is self-righteous. He says, I am innocent. How many people say, but I'm a good person. I'm not that bad. It's not about being good and it's not about being bad. Good people don't enter the kingdom of God. They don't go to heaven. Saved people do. Blood-washed people do. This self-righteous Roman proclaimed himself, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See, Ye to it. The word here for self-righteous simply means he's saying, I'm not guilty from here on in. I'm not guilty. I'm not guilty. That's what he's saying. I'm not guilty. Don't look at me. I'm not guilty. Many people are like that. I'm not guilty. But you're a sinner. (gasps) That's a bad word. I'm not guilty. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one, not one, not one, not me, not none. There's not one righteous. He is self-righteous. And we're told he takes water and washes his hands. See the term to wash your hands? It comes from two words. One is apo and one nepto. And it's a word, uh, aponepto. And this is what it means. Apo means to distance oneself from something. I've told you before, Apo, to come to the outside of the doors of the church and then walk away from the doors of the church. You're distancing yourself from the church. That's Apo. And the other one is, Nepto means to cleanse. What he thought was, if I just don't make a decision and I wash my hands and, and I just back off from this, see you to it. You do it. What he's saying is, I'm cleansing myself in my own innocency. I'm sticking my head in the sand and pretending everything is all right. That's what Pilate was doing. He was with water ceremonially, 
uh, publicly, symbolically, and dramatically saying, I'm distancing myself from Jesus. I'm distancing myself from this choice. I am distancing myself from this man. You do it. You want him dead? You do it. But the power lay with Pilate. The decision lay in Pilate's hands. When the Holy Spirit speaks to man and woman and says, are you ready to come to me? Are you ready to give your life to me? There's a big decision to be made. But what if? But what if? I think uh, I'll pass the book. I'm not for you, but I'm not against you. Listen, friend, Pilate thought he would pass the book too. Shirk away from his responsibility and from his own judgment on this matter. Pilate was what you would call sitting on the fence. Pilate was what you would call sitting on the fence on this one. He took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Now, I have something to say about fence sitters. I have something to tell the fence sitters tonight. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. On verse 30, Jesus says this, He that is not with me is against me. You know, as many people have said, you know, I have nothing against God, and I sort of believe in God, and I have nothing against Jesus, and I just don't want to become a Christian, and I'm not against it, and I'm not for it. I'm going to sit on the fence on this. Pilate done that. Washed his hands and distanced himself and said, well, it's not really my fault. Jesus says, He... That is not with me, is against me. There's already a choice made. The man and the woman whom the Spirit is drawing and speaking to and putting that, that desire in their heart and that drawing in their heart, whenever the Spirit's pulling them to Christ, they have to make the decision, do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? Who's your desire? Jesus says, if you're not choosing me, then you're against me. Pilate, make your decision. If there's a Pilate out there, make your decision. Make your choice known. Make it clear. There's no fence sitters in God's economy. There's no fence sitters in Christ's kingdom. There's no fence sitters in heaven's domain. Fence-sitters are nothing short than hypocrites. Fence-sitters are nothing short of being hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? An actor. It means one who wears a mask. One who wears a mask. The mask comes on for Sunday church. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And when you take the mask off, you're totally different. Jesus says, no hypocrite shall enter the kingdom of God. It's time to come out and stand up for Christ. It's time that you were moving in power of the Holy Spirit. It's time that you proclaimed him and says, Lord, I'm up and doing. I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm not going to come at night like, like Nicodemus came to him at night and kiss his friends, find out about him. He came to Jesus by night. He stood up and he stood out and he proclaimed Christ. When Christ was dead, 
That's when he came out from his hiding place. It's time to take your stand for Christ. He says, I am innocent, Pilate says, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See to it. Pilate, it's not their decision, it's yours. The only other time that this word for innocent here is athos. And the only other time it is used, that is the word athos. Not innocent, but athos. It is used of Judas Iscariot. When he takes the silver, the 30 pieces of silver which he sold our master for onto the temple guard, the praetorium guard, and he, he takes the 30 pieces and he betrays them with a kiss in the garden. And the only other time this athos word for innocent is used is when he comes back again and he throws the blood money at the feet of the priest and says, I have sinned and not I have betrayed the innocent blood. In other words, what he was saying is, I have betrayed blood that's not guilty. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. And I betrayed him. Brothers and sisters, friends, listen. Verse 25 of our reading is very, very telling on a drastic future for these people. Matthew 27, verse 25. And then, then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Imagine wishing anything they got on your children. His blood be on us and on our children. You see, what they were doing, if they knew their own, the scriptures they said they knew, if they knew the Old Testament as we call it, the Tanakh, which was the five books of Moses and the prophets, if they knew the Psalms, if they knew the scriptures as they, they said they did before they cried for his innocent blood, they would never have done it. Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 10 in the Old Testament says this. If they had known this, they had known they were pronouncing a curse upon themselves. It says, That innocent blood be not shed in your land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, so blood be upon thee. I notice that. God says, when you go into this land, I haven't time to read the whole chapter, Deuteronomy 19. When they were first moving in all those years ago, God says, see if there's innocent blood shed in your land. If it's innocent, he says, I'll cause you to stand for it. It'll be on your head. That's what he says. I have something to tell you, brother, sister. Do you see all the innocent bloods be shed in our land? They'll pay for it. They will pay for it. I tell you something, they haven't got away with it. Hiding behind a woolen mask. Planting bombs under somebody's car. Blowing up men and women and children in their shopping places. They're devils! And God has not forgotten it. Innocent blood has been shed and he says, I'll be on your head. They may be in government. But if they don't turn to Christ, they'll be in hell. Simple as that. The Lord says, if you shed innocent blood, I will count you for it. Now, notice the depth of this. Notice the brevity of it. 
notice the strength of this, how, how, how important and, and how unique it is for a man and a woman to come to salvation and to God through the person of his son. The only way, because his son, he shed his blood, the just person. The only innocent one that ever trod planet earth. The only innocent one ever trod planet earth. And the father says, you've shed his blood. AD 70, the Jewish temple Titus, the Roman prince, comes riding in with his Roman armies and centurions. And he, he takes two million Jews and he crucified and murdered and killed and wounded a million of them. Carried many of them away. You can go to Rome to the, Ark of, the arch of Titus and you can see it all displayed there in stone, what he had done. And he crucified them all around the walls of the city. And they carried a lot away captive. And they put them into, into bondage and into slavery. Oh, his blood be on us. I think, I think of, of cattle trains filled to the brim, full to overflowing of men and women, young and old, boys and girls. Horrific was an evil man packing them into trains to go to a gas chamber. His blood be on us. Blood be on us and on our children. Brother, sister, hear me. Hear the Lord this, this evening. Be careful. Be careful how you bring up your children. Innocent blood was shared in Deuteronomy 19, God kept his word. And he scattered all the Jews. It wasn't until General Allenby in 1917, after Judas' seven times punishment was over, uh, that any were even allowed back into Jerusalem. In Psalm 94 and verse 21, it says, They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous. And condemn the innocent blood. I want you to get that. This is, a, uh, this is written uh, possibly a thousand years before. Yeah, about a thousand years before. In the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. John tells us in the book of Revelation. Here is a testimony of Jesus. As before Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Almost a thousand years before the Holy Ghost comes on a man like David and he starts to prophesy of the coming of the righteous one. And he says, they gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. Crucify him. Would you turn with me to Proverbs, please? The book of Proverbs. And if you go to chapter 6, I want to read a few verses. I want to show you what God thought of them shedding his blood. Oh, the Romans put in the nails and the Romans whipped them. But it was the Jews that cried for it. They've paid for it. That's what happens when a man and a woman refuse the blood of Christ. At the end of the day, you'll pay for it. 
Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. He didn't say dislike. Notice that. He hates them. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to, swift to running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. There's a good word in there for another time. There's seven points. The third point is this. Hands that shed innocent blood. Seven, it's an abomination. Do you know the word abomination? It's the word uh, tueva. And tueva means it's a disgusting thing to the Lord. It's an abhorrent thing. It's an abhorrent practice before God. Shedding innocent blood, it's abhorrent to God. God has seen the abhorrence of little children that have been murdered. And God has seen the abhorrence. He's breathing out of his nostrils and he hates it. Little children being abused. Oh, they're going to burn in hell. Hands that shed innocent blood is an abomination to God. It's a hateful, abhorrent thing in practice. Listen, sodomy, homosexuality, the Bible tells us it's an abomination. It's an abhorrent thing to God. He hates it. He hates it. He hates its practice. It's abhorrent unto him. Question in our title is, are you washed in the blood? By faith, trusting in the blood of Jesus that he shed it for your sin and for mine. Are you washed in the blood by faith, trusting that when he said, it is finished on the cross, he means he has paid our debt in full. That we don't do anything but by grace, just receive that he has done it all. And repent of your sin before him. The precious blood of Jesus will either cleanse you or condemn you in that day. I want to say it again. The precious blood of Jesus will either cleanse you or you will be condemned on that day. You'll be cleansed today, tonight. If you trust in the blood of Jesus from your sin, you'll be cleansed. But you'll be condemned if you leave it till that night, that day. The precious blood of Jesus will either clear you or curse you. The precious blood of Jesus will either justify you or judge you. God doesn't come and say, no, I want to see how good have you been? How bad have you been? Let's see what wears up here. No, no. He doesn't turn around and say, I want to see how many. Uh, oh, you've smoked 60 cigarettes a day. Well, you're worse. You've smoked 80 and you're less. You've smoked 20. It doesn't work like that. He says, what did you do? Did you trust in my son? Or did you reject him? That's what he'll judge man and woman on. The precious blood of Jesus will either purge you, purify you and protect you, or will punish you. I'm coming to a close. Thank you for your attention. 
Pontius Pilate took water and washed his hands. And Pontius Pilate could not wash his heart. And he couldn't wash his soul. Now listen, don't lose concentration yet. Back and off, he says, I'm innocent of the blood of this just man. See, you do it. No. You can't sit on the fence. If you say I'm sitting on the fence, you've made your decision, you don't want them. Pontius Pilate says, I'll wash my hands. Oh, they may be clean. They may be washed in water, Pontius Pilate, but your soul is filthy still. You can't wash your hands of Christ. Do you know there's not a man and woman on this earth can wash their hands of Christ? Not one. Because that will be the standard where we will all stand before God. What about my son? He says, I'm innocent, he cries, but wishful thinking... And maybe this is you, wishful thinking. Self-deceit does not clear the self-righteous sinner from their sins. Faithful follower for five minutes. Give me five minutes. Psalm 24 and verses 3 and 4 says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath noticed clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul on the vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Here is the faithful follower of Christ, trusting in him. Christ alone can ascend into the hill or the mountain of the Lord. Christ alone. But when a man and woman comes to Christ, are righteous in Christ. They're justified by him, just as if they had never sinned. They're cleansed from all their sin, filthiness, and unrighteousness. No longer is the law against us, but we're living in his grace. For the man and woman who come to Christ, notice, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands, here is action, clean hands. And a pure heart, here is your character before God. A relationship with him who hath not lifted up his soul on the vanity. Here is our affections, our, our desires. Who do we crave after? Do we crave after the things of the world? Do we crave after Barabbas and the devil and his things? Or do we crave after Christ and the word of God? Do we crave to read the word, to hear the word? Do we crave to be under the sound of the word? Do we crave to know more of the word of God? These are they who will ascend into the hill of the Lord and stand in the holy place with clean hands and a pure heart. He hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Here's someone of a true speech. When you come to Christ, he changes how you talk. I went with Andrew Laird. Asked them to go with me on Friday night to a teen challenge night. They've started a new, in a Presbyterian church down in Belfast, a new ministry there. And I was asked, so quite a few Elam pastors there, actually there was different ones, to go down and we're having a night of worship and to start it up. And, and we went down and there was this fella get up and he was a Roman Catholic. And he had come into the meeting uh, beforehand, a meeting they were having beforehand and 
he was, he was very thin. This guy was a big lad, but he's very thin. He came in months ago and he was, he was lost. He was addicted to drugs and addicted to drink and he didn't know where he was coming or going. The fellow had no hope in life and when he heard of Christ and oh, Christ could lift him. Do you know when the guy got up to testify, all we could hear was Jesus, Jesus. God's done it. It's not of myself. It's nothing I could do. Jesus done it. Christ has done it. He has set me free. He has come. He's forgiven me. He's done. And I thought, you know, oh, please don't lose that, Kieran. Don't lose that. Because once we start to think, I have, we have lost it. It's all of him. It's all of him. He talked Christ. A faithful follower is in Psalm 73 and 13. Asaph says, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. In other words, he's saying, Lord, I'm pursuing after you. I'm following hard after you. I'm chasing after you. I'm writing songs for you and I'm under the unction of your spirit, O God. And he's saying, I'm faithfully following you. Yet when I look outside, people seem to be getting on great. And I'm a child of God. What is this all about? He says, till I went into the sanctuary. I saw their end. Huh. Lord, I'm all right the way I am. Lord, all these things, they'll go out and they'll have a great knees up and they're out all night and they're kicking their shoes off and whatever else they're doing. They're, they're doing the soft shoes shuffle across the dance floor and all these sort of things are going on. They're, they're out of their head and they seem to be having fun and their life seems to be great and dandy. You know, I'm a child of God, Lord, and I'm pursuing you. What is going on, Lord? Said, son, go to the sanctuary and you'll see. He found out that it's only for a space, it's for a short time, and then they'll stand before him without Christ. This life may seem to have little at times, but we have all of heaven at our disposal because we're in Christ. Thank you for your attention. Pilate was not free from guilt, for he buckled under pressure. He went with the crowd, the baying mob, the merciless multitude, and he sent Christ to be crucified. Exodus 32 and 2. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Listen, friends, it doesn't matter if it's all your family. Listen, none of my family were saved when I got saved. None of them. They thought I was a headbanger when I got saved. They were saying to me, you've lost the plot. Uh, none of them were saved. None of my friends were saved. I had to ship out all my friends and leave them all. I didn't know, I didn't have one Christian friend, not one Christian in the family. I was going, but I don't know what to do. Then, then the Lord started bringing people along, alongside of me, like-minded in the faith. And, and we started fellowshipping with each other and sharpening our swords one with another. And next thing I knew was growing in God. But if we follow the multitude, then we'll be lost with the multitude. I shall not follow a multitude to do evil. It's time to make your choice. It's time to take your stand. Are you washed in the blood? Are you washed by faith in the blood? Are you forgiven off your sin? Or is it like his blood be on us? Will you be blood guilty of the innocent? And so you will stand before God, the Father in judgment. Guilty is charged.